as we look into Ephesians chapter 6, uh, coming close to the end of our, uh, I guess the end of our study about what a Christian is. Uh, had plenty of things to talk about, plenty of things to look at as we have been in that journey together. I hope it's been helpful and I hope it's been encouraging. I hope it's been a reminder to most and I hope if we had to learn some things new that we've embraced them and, and let the Lord have his way in our hearts and, and who we are in, as Christians. Uh, for the sake of the witness in the community, for the sake of uh, our own souls, and uh, for the sake of honoring God. Uh, I want to talk about, we've talked about uh, a Christian being a believer, uh, a disciple, a fruit bearer, even a, a, a Christian being a foreigner or a, a one who, this is not our home, so we don't belong here. We're travelers in that regard. Uh, we also last week said that the Christian is a saint. And I hope, it, I hope that was a, 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 an encouraging moment for you because it's not, it's not something that we like to do is puff ourselves up and say nice things about ourselves because we try to remain humble but at the same time we ha we must acknowledge what God says about us and we have to receive that in order to, to truly honor him so I hope that you've been able to embrace your sainthood if you're a believer because God has and I hope that you will uh, have the strength and the courage to continue your Christian walk as a saint and let the Lord bless you in that and also let it be a blessing to those around you. Trouble is we have an enemy, don't we? We have one who wants to tear down and take away, one who wants to interfere, one who wants to harm, one who hates you because he hates God. Right? To me, if I have to understand it that way. In order for, <coughs> excuse me, in order for me to continue to remain healthy and remain steadfast and strong in my own Christian walk, I have to understand the enemy as one who hates me because he hates God. Because if he only hated me, it would be harder to take. It would be harder to deal with for me. Jesus taught us that, they will, that the world will hate you because they hate me. Right? He's preparing the disciples and the rest of us through the word of God that when you have hardship, when you uh, come, come against an enemy or those who wish you harm, it is not because of you, it is because of him. So when we look about at our enemy, when we look at Satan, we look at the devil, the evil one, whatever name you want to put on him, we know that he's our enemy because we are with God. We are a saint. We are in Christ. Satan sees Christ when he sees the believer. And he knows that he is defeated. So therefore, all he can do is as much damage and harm as possible before Jesus comes back. That's what we deal with. It's a spiritual battle, y'all. It's, it's a battle that goes on. It's a war that's been going on. That God has already won. Isn't that great? Our Lord, our Father, has already won the war already won the battle. I, I, I often used to think when I was a, a new believer, I would think about this battle or this war as something that the Christian would need to engage in and fight the enemy over. And we were this great army that we were going to attack Satan and destroy him some way. It was the farthest thing from the truth. And I had to grow out of that. I had to learn different. Because God fights the war. And he's already won the war. And as a Christian, as a believer, a disciple maker, who is a disciple himself, a fruit bearer, a servant of the kingdom, a saint, it's my job to go behind enemy lines and tell other people who are captive to the enemy that they can be free. We're, we're simply to rescue the POWs of this spiritual war that's going on. Tell them that the war has been won by God the Father and you do not have to be captive to the enemy any longer. That's what it's about. That's what disciple making is about. Because that's where we were before we got saved, before we accepted Christ. We were captive to the, to the enemy and we were slaves to our sin. 
someone sent by God came along, maybe some, a bunch of someones, like if in my case it was a, an army of someones, had to come and tell me, you can be free. You don't have to be a, a slave. You don't have to be captive to the, the consequences of your sin, to the enemy, to Satan. You don't have to be destroyed. Jesus died so that you can live. You don't have to die in this war. Isn't that great, y'all? Talk about the gospel here, right? And I know some families are traveling this morning, but where there's enough of us around here to get excited and, 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 get, and, and, and say amen and, 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 and trust that God is with us. Because even though we're talking about the enemy, we still have a great joy over his defeat. Or you should. You realize many people in today's world, maybe it's been going on forever, I don't know, but it seems like when we talk about Satan or the devil or the adversary, whatever name we use, nobody takes it that serious anymore. It's, not, it's, like, it's like he doesn't exist. It's like he's just some made-up character or something. No one believes even even those who would say that they believe that jesus is real or that god is real somehow we have this thing where we just dismiss satan and everything about him we dismiss hell and the consequences of sin because if we can just ignore the enemy maybe it won't be so painful maybe it won't be so hard if we just act like the enemy's not there, the problem is, is when we do that, we're surrendering to him. We're, and, and, and by the way, we're surrendering ourselves. If we're given over to the Lord, if we're saved, we're, we're surrendering something that we have no right to surrender. Because we don't, we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God, y'all. And God doesn't surrender to the enemy. Hello? And I thank the Lord for that every day because if it was up to me, I'd have, been, I'd have failed a long time ago. Because it's hard, isn't it? It's hard living in a world that seems to, everything about it seems to be against God and his kingdom. Seems to be against you as a person who wants to live right, wants to have everlasting life, wants to be the good person, or wants to be the saint or the disciple or the servant. But everything in the world seems to be against us because there's, there's, a, there's an enemy. There's Satan and all of his angels, all of the fallen angels with him, and they war against God every day, everywhere. And it's real. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on all around us all the time. It may not even be that obvious. It may be something so subtle as fear Or maybe it's those times when we wake up in the morning with a bad attitude. And Satan just takes that attitude and runs with it. The next thing you know, everything about those last 24 hours did nothing but dishonor God in your life. It's hard, isn't it? But we thank the Lord that we have a God who didn't leave us to ourselves in this. We thank God that he left the Spirit of God, which gives us everything we need to not only overcome and persevere but to to win the day for him right we don't have to live like we're defeated all the time or really any of the time if we know who our savior is if we know what the word of god says if our faith is what it needs to be right we, we should be the happiest most excited people in the world most of the time even in our hardest times and our saddest times, we should have the most joy there is to have in this world because we know God and he knows us. See, Satan doesn't really care about you. He doesn't. He just hates God and he knows that God loves you. So by pulling you away from God, he believes he's harming God. He believes he's taken one more from him. One more person distracted from what God did with Jesus on the cross. So we are warriors, as according to Ephesians chapter 6. We're, we're to be warriors in this battle. 
We're to engage in this warfare. We are to be ambassadors in the army of God. That's who the Christian is. I want to start with verses 10 to 13 of chapter 6 in Ephesians. Finally, you, you guys have all read this before. If you're believers and you study your Bible, you've read this before, you've studied it before, surely someone has preached about it before and you've heard that sermon or if you've had a Bible study, you've heard somebody talk about all of this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the, uh, the full armor of God so that when the day comes, you will be able to stand your ground and that you, after you have done everything to stand. Then he goes on into verse 14, which we'll catch up with. I want to talk about a few things here in this a uh, few verses 10 to 13 that we just read the first thing is we're instructed to be strong how many of y'all feel like you're strong people you can answer this <laughs> how many feel like, how many of you some days you feel strong and some days you don't feel so strong you just go back and forth it's like man i'm not having a great i'm not feeling it today and there's other days when we're praising God and we're feeling like we're the witness and we're feeling like we're doing some great things for the Lord because we probably are but then there's other days when we're just crying out Lord I just what I just need everything you can give me right now you ever feel that way uh, then there's I'm not even going to mention because y'all know about it but I'm not even going to really talk about the days where we've just flat out failed God and we're living in sin for that moment until we repent and if there's ever a time we need the Lord and his Holy Spirit, it's in the middle of temptation and right after we've sinned to convict us to repentance so that we might honor him even in our repentance. That's the, that's, it takes strength, doesn't it? It takes strength to stand before God uh, and, and, and say, I, I failed you again and I need you again. I need your forgiveness and your grace. So how, if, we, if we don't always feel strong, then how are, to, how are we to be warriors for the kingdom of God? A warrior, to me, the word warrior instigates a picture of some strong individual who is trained to destroy his, his or her enemy and fight to the death with strength and courage, not shrinking back. Retreating is not an option for the warrior. And I'm going to let you know this. I'm just like y'all. I'm, I'm just a fella in this world. And there's times when I feel like I'm a pretty strong fella, but I'm, there's a lot of times when I'm just average. So how am I going to be a warrior? It's a tall order, isn't it, that God has given us? And it's intimidating if we're not looking at what it says. Because he's saying, be strong in the Lord. You hear me? In the Lord we can be strong. And it, that means, if I'm in Christ, if I'm in the Lord, that's where my strength is. That's where my assurance of victory is found. And if we could understand that, and we believe that wholeheartedly, and put that as this, one of the foundations of our faith in our walk with Christ then how how why would we not why wouldn't we run into the Lord every day why wouldn't we endeavor to live in the Lord every day and never be outside of the Lord that's a warrior a warrior knows where his strength comes from a warrior knows why he is what he is and what what he's doing about what he's doing we're strong in the Lord, in his mighty power, it says. In the Lord and in his power. We like scripture that teaches us that anything that comes against me will not prosper if I'm in the Lord. Things like that. I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. It makes us feel stronger. It makes us believe that God's strength is all we need. 
we say those things and we say amen and we get encouraged by it, but, but we need to be able to live every day in that truth. I love, I love y'all to agree with what we're preaching, what the, what the Bible says, not just because I want you to agree with me, I want you to agree with the word of God, but at the same time, if we're not going out and living it, then we don't really agree. Yeah? It, your life and my life should be a constant amen to the word of God. What can come against the warrior of the kingdom of God? No one. Not even Satan and all of his strength and all of his power. You realize, and I hope you know this, that Satan is an angel of God. He's got all the power that an angel of God would have and strength. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than all of us put together in the flesh. We have no chance against Satan and his army. Except in the Lord. That's the only way. That's the only defense. That's the only way that we can be true warriors for God is in the Lord in his mighty power. There's no power greater than God and his power, the kingdom of God and everything that it comes with. If you're with us on Wednesday night, we're studying the gospel of Mark. We just started. You still have time to come up here on Wednesday night and join us and learn together. But we're studying Jesus and he comes into his ministry and he starts, the first thing he starts to do according to Mark's gospel is he starts healing people. He starts showing the world his authority over all of creation and all of sickness. He commands demons to leave people because he has authority over Satan. That's who Jesus is. That's who we are. We have the Spirit of God. It's the same authority. It's the same strength. And when, we go, when we're commanded to go into the world and make disciples, when we're commanded to live lives that honor God, we do it in His strength, and His power. Second thing we notice is we're putting on the armor, the full armor of God, which we're going to break down here momentarily if I can do it quickly enough to, to not take up too much time. Do you ever feel like you have the full armor of God on? Answer that to yourself. I'm just going to assume that you understand the full armor of God for the moment. I feel like most of us do. Uh, but do we, do we ever have a day, do we ever have days where we just, we're just not feeling it. We're not fully prepared. We're not fully ready. Or maybe we're just trying to keep up with, with the world. It's because we don't have the full armor. We're not geared with everything that God has to offer. You have to put it all on. It's not something you take off and throw in the washer at night when you go to bed and then get up and put it back on and hope nobody shrank it in the dryer. That's not what it is. It's who you are. When you get saved, you step into Christ. You put on Christ. It's, not, it's been described in the past that when we get saved, we put on Christ like a coat or something to get the picture of how to do that. I believe it's we put on Christ like new skin not something we're going to take off it's not something we're going to leave behind we put we wear we wear it because it's who we have become so it's the full armor of God it's God that protects us it's God that gives us strength it's God that gives us the tools we need to do everything he's led us and commanded us to do as his people as Christians Then the next thing it says is to take your stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Take your stand. You know, I've told you before that I, I played football when I was younger in school. And I was on every team but the offensive team. And it was because I couldn't understand how to run the play. It was, had, had to do with math, so No. Now, some of y'all are like, how come it has to do with math? Because the number two back runs through the number four hole, depending on what play it's called. Or the number one back runs around the other side on the number six. There's all kinds of numbers going on. I'm like, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Just give me the ball, tell me which way to go, and I'll do it. And I couldn't figure it out, so I played defense. All I had to do was hit the other dude with the ball as hard as I can and hope he drops it or at least stops him from scoring. 
And I was on the kickoff team and the receiving team and the punt team and all that stuff. When I played defense, I had a position. I was a free safety. And my position was if the, the guy with the ball gets past all them other dudes in front of me, my job is to not let him get past me. Take a stance. This is your stance, and you take it. And don't you let nobody buy you. And I had a couple of good football coaches that in today's world would probably be arrested for the way they talked to me. I mean, I got hit more times by my coach than I did the other team in, in, in the helm. He'd come up and grab me by the helm, and he slapped me around. He's like, do this, do that. He would do that when I did something right because <laughs> he was excited because I did the right thing, and it was awesome. And then he would teach us how to hit people, and then we'd have to pick ourselves up off the ground and, and do it the way he did it. He was teaching us how to take our stand. This is our football field, and we ain't letting nobody come in here and push us around. That, that's what it looks like in my mind. Where do you stand as a believer? Where do you stand as a Christian? Where do you stand as a disciple maker, as a saint, as a fruit bearer? What stance are you taking? Sadly, many Christians around the world are not taking a stand. They're just saying, I want to go to heaven. So they're getting baptized, saying they believe that Jesus is the Christ. They say they repent of their sins, but then you don't never see them do anything else for the Lord. They're not taking a stand for any, anything. Sometimes not even in their own home, because sin is rampant in their house. They're not taking a stand against the devil and his ways. They're not taking a stand against the lies of Satan that come along and say, it's not important for you to do anything else. Satan will even tell you that you're saved when you're really not. If it gets you to quit working for the Lord. If it gets you to quit being faithful to God. If it gets you to quit taking a stand for what is true and what is right and what is holy. If it'll get you to abandon everything that Jesus did for you, he'll, he'll, even, he'll even lie to you and say, yeah, you're, you're fine, you're saved, just go hang out over there with your friends, and it don't matter, because God loves everybody, and he's not going to make everybody. Just, just whatever the lies are. You have to take a stand. Against what? Look what it says. Take a stand against the devil's schemes. This is important. This is so important, y'all. If you don't understand this, please, please try to understand it today. There is, it is not our mission to go and, uh, and attack Satan and defeat him as Christians. That's something that God has already done. It's not, it's not for us to go and even interact with Satan. That's for God to do. It's our job to go love people so much that they'll realize that they're lost in their sin and that the devil has them captive and he's got them trapped and all they have to do is believe that God has provided a way out. We're just rescuing the prisoners of this war. That's all we're doing. So we're taking a stand against the devil's schemes, not the devil. His lies his manipulation, his conniving ways of getting you to believe things that aren't true or feeling like the things of God are not, they might be true for everybody else, but they're not true for you kind of thing. You ever been there? Because, you, you know, you, you've been there. I hope you've been there because I've been there. I hope you, I don't hope you stay there because it's normal. What I'm saying is sometimes you look around, it's like, man, I see God doing great things for those people who are believers, but I don't see it happening to me. That's the kind of talk that Satan will get you to start saying to your own self. And it becomes doubt. And you begin to question your faith. You begin to question the word of God. You begin giving in to temptation. You begin to do things that don't honor God, and you no longer have a stance. You see the battle. You see the war that's going on. We're not fighting Satan. We're fighting against his lies, his schemes, things that are pulling you away from God, from your stance. Now, he says this, our struggle, here's, this is also, this is so important. It's, 
any time of your life. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, uh, let's keep this to ourselves as we think about what I'm saying. But there are people in this world, for all of us, that we just don't care too much for. Or, or maybe it's not so bad that we just think that they're horrible people. And they're doing horrible things around the world, whatever. Maybe even in your neighborhood. This Bible is telling us that our struggle is not against people. Not even the wickedest, the most heinous people in this world. Because here's what the fact is. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every person. Jesus died for the person you got on your mind right now when I said all that. It's a, it's a hard question. I, I presented to the youth group when, years ago when I was doing youth ministry. There were some high school kids, and we were talking about some of this kind of scripture. And I said, look, and back then uh, uh, we were dealing with some wicked people around the world that were terrorists, what, what the world calls a terrorist. And I said, what if, what if Osama bin Laden was in heaven when you got there? How would you feel about that? And at the time, he was the... According to man, he was the wickedest uh, of the world. And he may have been. But let me say this. If he turned his life over to the Lord before he died, he would be in the presence of God, according to the gospel. So how can it be our fight is against people if Jesus died for those who would believe? That's what the whosoever in John 3.16 is all about. Because even the wickedest uh, the wickedest, most harmful person in the world, God loves. Jesus died for. Not all will be saved. Not all will repent. I'm not saying we got to go give them a big hug and share, <laughs> share our life with them in intimate ways when they're being, doing wicked things. I'm saying our fight is against the things that they do and what drives them to do those things, which is our enemy. You see, there's people in the world that are so given over to the ways of Satan. They're believing the lies of Satan. They're being used by Satan and his, his, his enemy, his, 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 his army, that they do wicked things to people and to the, uh, the rest of the world. And if we are people who are believers, people who have the Spirit of God, the people who are taking our stand, the people who have, uh, uh, are strong in the Lord and his mighty power, we will be overcome with grief over those people because they're lost for eternity in hell if they don't repent that's how that's how come jesus can teach us love your enemies love the ones who hate you because those are the ones who are still prisoners of this war they're still lost they're still wrapped up in satan's wicked schemes so much so that they're participating in it and they're making it, uh, they're, they're becoming a tool for the enemy to get at you. So it's not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual forces of evil, which sometimes show themselves through people or organizations or things of the world. I, I, lately, I've heard way too many believers make comments that insinuate that if you're affiliated with one political party or another, you can't be saved. There's nothing in this Bible that says that. This Bible says if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you can be saved. It has nothing to do with what you believe about the politics of this world or the social issues of this world. That's the gospel. So we need to get busy loving people, don't we? We need to get busy loving the people that maybe don't agree with us. You know, maybe, maybe they're lost, you know, if people are doing wicked things, they're so lost with Satan's uh, lies, they're in trouble. It must be miserable for them. You think it's hard to be a Christian, and we suffer. And sometimes we have some depressing days. Think if you didn't have Jesus in this world. Think if you didn't have salvation or the grace of God every day in your life. If you didn't have the strength of God. If you didn't have the mighty power that we uh, have available to us. I'm going to let you know, if I didn't get saved, I'd have done, made a mess of my life. Worse than what it already was when I got saved. I'd be, the, I'd be a pathetic individual without Christ. 
And I praise the Lord for that. Therefore, put on the full armor. Put it all on. You need it all. You got to have it all. Let's break it down as quickly as I can in about five minutes, maybe. No promises. That's when y'all start praying for the preacher. Maybe he can get five minutes. Give him five minutes. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all are so awesome. <laughs> put up with some of my stuff. So how do we stand firm, y'all? How do you do it? You ever ask yourself that? It's like, okay, I know God wants me to stand firm. I want to stand firm. How? How can I do it? Because I don't seem like I get it right all the time. Don't y'all feel like that? I feel like that. I, I know believers. I know uh, believers around the world that all the time are saying that. Lord, I need you every day. Most of our prayer life is about God help us with this or that or whatever. We, we, have, to, we have every reason to stand firm, y'all. Because God has won the victory. The victory's already won. It's already there. You have no reason not to stand firm unless you're believing the schemes of the enemy. So how do we stand firm? We put on the full armor. Let's talk about the full armor. Here we are. Verse 13. 10, 10, verse 10 and 13 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Right? Belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt usually was a bigger belt than what I got on, but it's a belt that holds the, the core of your body together. Keeps everything level, keeps everything strong. And it, it's a strong belt. It's, it's the belt of, the tr- belt of truth is integrity. It's your integrity in the truth of God's word, your character. Do you believe the truth? Are you living the truth? Are you standing firm in the truth? If that's the case, then nothing in this world can come against you and succeed. Things will come against you, but it won't succeed. Because you're standing in the truth. Because you're seeking the truth. And not only that, your life is proclaiming the truth. And it holds everything together. How on earth are you going to know what's right and wrong? Or what to do or what not to do? How to honor God and what to stay away from? How to even defend yourself against the enemy's lies if you don't have truth? Not only in your mind, but in your heart. See, this is a trouble with Bible study for some people. They don't let the truth of God's word get past the mind so it can get in the heart. And if we're diligent about seeking the Lord's wisdom and being uh, disciples and, and growing in Christ, we will allow the truth of God's word to go past the mind into the heart so that the Spirit of God will reveal it to the mind again and it will become what God wants it to be in your life. Then you can talk to other people about what truth is. Don't talk until that happens, because you won't know what you're talking about. You won't be talking about truth, you'll just be saying stuff. So the belt of truth is important. It holds everything together. Then it talks about the, with the breastplate of righteousness. It covers the, 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 the chest area, the breastplate. It protects the vital organs from being damaged in a battle so that you don't die. Why would you need that? Why, why would you need that kind of protection if Jesus is Lord and you have assurance of salvation because of your faith? Why would you need that? Because the devil is crafty. And if he can get you, to, to, if he can get you away from God, he can eventually get you to denounce God. He can eventually get you to reject the truth about God. Once you give up your truth, then you're exposed to the daggers that will, kill, that will take your life. This is purity, right? This is, this is where the word, one of the most powerful words in all of Scripture is repentance, y'all. What keeps that breastplate in, of righteousness in place, notice it's of God, J- Jesus' righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. It's not that you're right, it's not that you're perfect, it's that Jesus is perfect. And as long as we are repenting when we sin, we can stay in that righteousness, And we can uh, be seen by not only God, but the rest of the world as something that has been made pure. Integrity and purity. Without repentance, you're exposed and you, you will certainly fail or maybe even die. Then there's the feet readied, uh, excuse me, then there's the, 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 the feet, he says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, Right? We're going into the world. We're making disciples. We're preaching the gospel. We're loving people. We're loving God. You got to be ready. 
How many of y'all are ready to go out right now after church? Let's just go out and start hitting this neighborhood, and we'll just knock on the doors, and we're going to love people. Y'all ready for that? I think in the back of your mind, and maybe even deep in your heart, you're saying, yeah, I want to do something like that. I want to get involved like that. But are you ready to do that? The only way to be ready to do that is for you to be at peace with God. And the only way for you to be at peace with God is for you to be completely immersed in the gospel of Jesus. Peace, y'all. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what goes on around me or because of me or uh, uh, through me, no matter what challenges I face, no matter what discouragement comes along, no matter what hardship or even what sin I might fall into, I have peace because of the gospel. I, I, I'm not going to worry. It, it's, there's nothing that you or I can do as long as I continue to seek the Lord and repent. I can be at peace with God. Because until I became a, a, a saved believer in Jesus Christ, until I came out of my sin and became a child of God, I didn't have peace because I was an enemy of God. You understand? And this is all about God just saying, go out into the world and tell the people that they don't have to be my enemy anymore. He sends us out with terms of peace beyond, behind enemy lines. We're bringing terms of peace into people's heart. We're saying, look, God is God, and you have offended him just as I did, and he's saying you don't have to suffer the consequences because here's the terms of peace. You, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, just like he is, and you believe that you can, if you repent, you can be saved, and you can step into the grace and the righteousness of Christ, and you won't have to die as an enemy of God. That should bring a lot of peace into your life. No matter what could happen in this world, no matter how bad I can mess up in my life, as long as I believe in that, the gospel, I can have peace for eternity. You ever get that feeling? It's like, you know what? It's bad. Whatever the case is, it's bad. But at least I know when I leave this world, I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to be with my God. And all this heartache and tears and pain will not exist anymore. It's tough, isn't it? You, you, some of y'all know I sent the email out just the other day. And, it, and it, the last couple of years have been tough. The question is, is have, the, has, has, have, we allowed, have we allowed it to rob us of our peace so that we're not ready to go out? We don't have the, the proper shoes to go into the world. I don't really believe that that's where we are, but I want to know if you think that's where we are. God brought all you wonderful people together, all you wonderful saints together for a purpose. And it's not just to sit here and watch me talk. It's for us to go into the world and bring this peace to others. That's why we're here. That's what the purpose is. That's what the goal is. We don't know how to do it always. We don't always have the answers, and we don't even always do it right. But the Lord expects us to go. And we have to have this full armor. The last piece, the last piece of this armor, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flames of arrows of the evil one. Now you think about I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to pray about it for a while now. You think about where this church is, this congregation as far as making disciples and as far as where it's been, what, is, what God's done through the church and what God might do in the future and what the hopes are and what the prayers are, what the desires are, what God wants for this church. If you think about all of that, the, my question is, is it a discouraging thing or is it an exciting thing to think about? And... I got to be honest, it's, it's sometimes a little bit of both, isn't it? Because we don't see sometimes in, in the darkness or in the valleys. Because it's foggy sometimes. The smoke hasn't cleared from some of this stuff that's happened in all of our lives. But Satan is relentless and he's not going to let up. He's going to continue to shoot these fiery darts of lies and schemes into your life and into the life of this congregation. What are we going to do? We're just going to sit there and take them and let them destroy us? Or are we going to hold up the shield of faith 
and trust God to deal with it. Trust God, trust God that he has a plan and his power, his mighty power is greater than anything that could come against the witness of, of this church or your home. Isn't that great to think about? We're trying to get people to get saved, y'all. That's what we're really trying to do, isn't it? We can't sit back. We can't get so discouraged that we quit because that's not what Jesus died for. It's not what we believe. And I believe you believe, I believe that you believe what I believe. Let me say that riddle again. I believe that we're in agreement, right, with what's true. And I believe that God is not done in this world. I believe that God is not done in your life. I believe that God is not done working in this church, in this community. The question is, are we going to rise up and be a part of the warriors that God is raising up in this community? There's plenty of other ones around the neighborhood. Let's be a part of it. Let's go out and let's be faithful. And there's days when we do great at that, I think, at this church. I think there's days when we don't, we're doing more than we know we're doing for this community. But Satan wants us to look at what's wrong all the time or what might not be what, the way we think it should be. He wants to lie to us and just point out all the things where we're falling short or what we think should be, and it's not that way. That's what he wants. And if we allow him to distract us from what God is doing, then we're going to fail. Because you and I both know that God has done some great, some amazing things in the lives of the families in this church over the last three years, four years since I've been here. And we could stand up here one after the other and give great testimony for God and his strength and his powerfulness and his faithfulness and the blessings that we've received. But Satan just wants us to talk about the negative stuff. He wants us to look at the negative things. Right? He wants this preacher to talk about what ain't happening or what shouldn't be happening or what somebody might do or say or think instead of just get up here and preach the gospel and then go serve with people. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done serving this community. And I'm not done trusting God. I love you and the Lord loves you. But the Lord don't love us more than he loves the people in this community. He loves them all the same. Y'all know, y'all been through some stuff in this world. Y'all been through some stuff. Everybody's hurting in different ways. Everybody's discouraged. Everybody's busy. Everybody's distracted. And I keep telling myself, we're doing okay. We're going to make it. And I believe it. But then you, you, you're, what you see is different than what you feel sometimes. When I came here to this church, and I was excited about what the Lord was doing here and what kind of people were here, and the people were excited about serving the Lord, and they were excited about the new preacher, and all our expectations were up there. Right? And then we spend time together, and we get to know each other, and life happens along the way. Hardship comes, loss comes. Trials come, people come and go for whatever the reasons are. And we can get distracted by those things and totally forget God's promises. Totally forget about his faithfulness. Totally forget about the tools he's given us, such as this full armor to be faithful, to be men and women of God, to be warriors for Christ in this community. We can, we can, we can be there if we're not careful. And I don't want to be a defeated preacher. And I don't want you to be defeated believers. Because that's not what God wants this community to see. I don't think that's where we are. But I think if we're not careful, we can be there. 
we can find ourselves there. I think we're an awesome group of believers. I think God uses us in mighty ways, and I think we sometimes get lost in some of the worldly things that go on that we know it's there, we acknowledge that it's there, but we don't live in those blessings. It should be in every congregation around the world that we would push each other out of the way so we can get to the microphone and praise God about something. That's where it should be. And we should be here past, we should be like fighting each other for a seat at the supper table at the restaurants because we stayed here through lunch praising God and testifying to his greatness. Right? Instead of can't wait to get out of here and go on about our lives. That's the way Christians can be. I think we're a little different than that. But we're just like everybody else in the world and we can get off track. To the point where we're not doing anything anymore. Right? And I don't mean that as any kind of an indictment. I just mean that as maybe as a warning to all of us. It's easy to turn around one day and find out you're not doing anything for the kingdom. You're not even on the battlefield. You still believe. You still love God. He still loves you. You still go to church. You still serve at the Bible studies or whatever that goes on. But you're not doing anything. To engage in the battle. You're not wearing the armor as much as you used to. Uh, when, I was doing fi- when I was a firefighter out east, uh, I got lazy. I was the chaplain, but I was also a volunteer firefighter, and I, was, I got lazy. Because I saw other firefighters getting lazy. And we would show up to the fire, and it was hot outside. I'm not going to put all that gear on if, if it's a fire that can be put out with a fire extinguisher. It's hot when you put that stuff on. And that's wrong to not put your gear on. And, and I got corrected because the chief was standing there and I showed up on the scene and I just walked up to the chief. I'm like, how bad is it? What's going on? And he looks at me and he's like, are you here to fight this fire? And I said, well, whatever you need. He's like, why don't you have your gear on then? You're talking to the chaplain. Nobody talks to the chaplain like that. <laughs> no, at least, I mean, they're good people. It's like when the preacher comes in, everybody straightens up, even the chief. But that day, the chief looked at me because he had the right to do it because he's the boss. And he said, don't come on this fire scene without your stuff on. And he was right to say that. Because if something bad had happened that day, I would not have been protected. It's the same thing, y'all. It doesn't matter what's happening in the church or in the world or in your life. It doesn't matter what it looks like or what it feels like. You put the gear on. You put the armor of God on and you get up to be a warrior for Christ. For the sake of someone else's soul, maybe. It's not not about me. It's not about you. I don't don't have permission to slack off as the preacher or as a Christian in this world. I don't have, just because I'm hurting or lost, I don't come off the battlefield until God says I do. The same is true for all of you. You don't get to stop until God says it's time. And the only time that the whole thing will be over is when Jesus comes back. Am I right? Until you leave this world or until Jesus comes back, we get up every day and we put these things on. This is who we are. And it should be an exciting thing. It should be something you should be excited about. I get to get up and put these things on. I get to get up and live the Christian life and be a warrior in front of other people who are captive in their sin, who don't know Jesus or really don't know how to believe it. I get to be that guy that God sends into somebody's life to change their life. And so do you. I don't know. It takes me, well, it used to take me 10 minutes to drive here, but now it takes me about 20 minutes to get here from traffic. How many people, how many houses am I driving by every Sunday morning to get here? Filled with people that are totally lost in their sin. Who don't know God, who don't have the peace, who don't have the breastplate of righteousness, who don't have any integrity because they've totally dismissed any kind of truth. And they're not ready for anything. And we're just driving by here so I can preach a sermon and go home and say, I did a good job for the Lord. Right? 
I think my effort today is to huddle up on a football field and give you all a pep talk. That's my, that's my, that's my goal. I don't want to knock you down. I don't want you to feel bad about nothing. I just, want you to, I just want you to be reminded that God loves you and he's ready to use you if you're ready to be used. His way, not our way. If you're discouraged, if you're broken, if you're lost, confused, whatever the word is, it's not what God has for you to live in. So we have, to, we, have to, we have to get ourselves up and we have to say who we are and we have to trust God and we have to go into the world. So the helmet of salvation is all about two things about the helmet and then I'll shut it down. The helmet, we put the helmet on to protect the head because the head, if the head's not there, there's no point in the rest of your body existing. I was... Uh, uh, I was out in Texas doing some hunting uh, a long time ago, and a guy that was leading, guiding us on the hunt, we, we, he drove up on this rattlesnake, and he pulled out a, a, a revolver and just shot the head off of that rattlesnake. I was happy about that because I didn't want to get bit. So he threw a can out. He said, we're going to come back and get that tail later, and we drove off to do what we did, and we came back, and he got this shovel to cut the tail off of this snake to save it. And when he pushed the tail of that snake the front end of that snake tried to strike at him, even though there was no head. That was the most amazing thing I've seen in a while back then. I was like, what? And the, and the kid jumped away like he was going to get bit. Well, then I just heard uh, not too long ago the other day that a, a rattlesnake can bite you after its head's been cut off. I didn't know that. The head part of it. You cut it off, the head can still bite you. That's our, that's our enemy, y'all. His head's been cut off, but he can still harm you. He can still do a lot of damage. The helmet of salvation protects the head, protects your mind. How many people, how many people have you seen lately, have you met lately or s watched on television or saw social media? How many people in this world do you think have lost their right mind? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, I got a bunch of people I can talk to you about. I just pray that none of them people on your list are in this room right now. <laughs> Especially the, the preacher. You know, the preacher done lost his mind. When we, when we abandon truth, when we abandon common sense, when we abandon the things that are obviously right, it's insanity, isn't it? There's some things going on in the world that we could all agree is just insane that people might do or say or believe. Insane. It, they've lost their mind. They can't be in their right mind. Or, or it's, it's possible for people to be possessed or heavily influenced by demonic spirits in this world. It can happen and does happen. And they're not in their right mind because they're so badly influenced by the wickedness of Satan. That's what salvation is all about. When you agree that Jesus is the Lord, and you agree that he's going to be your Lord and Savior, and you repent, and you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sin, and the Spirit of God comes to take up residence in your life, then you begin to live in your right mind what God created and intended for you. Because you start pursuing truth, and it becomes a part of your life. Most of the, uh, most of the warriors of the day, and when this was written, they would wear helmets for the purpose of protecting their head, but they would also have some kind of a, a, a decoration on it that would signify what army they belonged to. And they were proud to wear that helmet. And they wouldn't wear another helmet because they were faithful to the one they were fighting for, to the death. Salvation is your helmet. The, 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 the guarantee, the, 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 what is it, the, the ability to be certain about your salvation brings you peace and lets you live in your right mind no matter what anybody says about you and your faith. No matter how, any, how, how anybody says how stupid you are for believing in the Christian faith, you can be in your right mind and you can have peace and you can say, okay, sorry you feel that way, but I love you and the Lord loves you and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Because I'll die for my Savior. I'll die for my Lord. Will you? Are you willing to die for Jesus? Are you willing to die for God? The kingdom of God. 
The answer to that question lies in whether or not you really are saved. Because when you get saved, you're saying to yourself and to God and the whole world, I refuse to be the king of my kingdom. And I'm going to kill the one that offends God. That's why we baptize, right? Baptism is a symbol of burying the dead sinner person so that when that person comes back out of the watery grave, they have this new life in Christ, in the power of God. So, here we are, a bunch of believers sitting around going, let's do this, what do we do? I would suggest that we first start by praying that God would give us everything he's promised us in these verses and teach us how to live in these verses. Teach us how to stand firm. Teach us how to be who we're called to be as warriors for the kingdom without shrinking back. Be confident in it all. Seek the truth. Find his guidance and go that way. And we will find that God will have his way all around us. We will be making disciples. Oh, we're still going to suffer. We're still going to have bad things happen to us. We're still going to have life going on in the world. We're going to still have the same things that we've been dealing with in the recent years. But God will have his way and he will help us focus on what he's doing, not what we are doing or not doing. The word of God is our strength, y'all. Right? Uh, by the way, go back to the, the prayer warrior thing. That's verse 18. He says, and Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people or the, uh, for, the Lord, for the saints, he says in the NIV. Praying for all the saints. <laughs> you look around the room. That's who you should be praying for every day. Right? We're praying for the ones who could, can't be with us right now because of whatever the reason. They're unable to come, or they're sick, or they're traveling. They're not allowed to be here because of some circumstance in their life, and they would come here if they could get here. And then we pray for those who were here, but no longer are here because they've been pulled away. And we pray for the people that live behind us, and the people that live down the mountain, and people that live around the corner. And we pray, we just keep praying, because it's the most powerful tool we have. Amen? We're going to talk about that when I, in, a, in a few weeks. We're going to start talking about that, how prayer life and the power of prayer and all of those things. Look at, look at what he says in this, in, in this last uh, verse. Uh, or, or, sorry, verse 17 talks about which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. That's our only offensive tool. We're going in the world and we're proclaiming truth. We're defeating Satan by proclaiming what the word of God says. That's how Jesus did it. When he was tempted, he just said, thus saith the Lord. This is what, what you're saying is a lie, and this is what the Lord says. Uh, I think we'll go with him. Right? Yeah, it seems like a simple decision, doesn't it, in life? Here's what Satan says, or the world says. Here's what I think. Here's what God says. Hmm. Let's go with God, right? It seems that simple to me, but it's not that simple. It really isn't, because sometimes it's hard to tell. Because why? Because Satan is a crafty little devil. And his lies are masterful. All right, I'm wrapping it up, I promise. All of this is done in the, in the Lord, in his power. That's the key. In the Lord, in his power. Surrender yourself to that, and, and you will be successful, and you will begin to see and feel the peace and the blessings that come from the Lord. We're instructed to take a stand, engage, get up and do, go and be. It's something that we do. It's not, it's not for salvation, it's a result of salvation. Our struggle is not with people. Never is it with any person or group of people. Our struggle is with the wickedness of Satan and his army and what it does to people. So we have to love people unconditionally with God's help and God's strength. We have to love the sinners and the, the ones who aren't believers. We have to love the enemies because our battle is with the spiritual realm and not with people. So a Christian is a warrior, y'all. That's who we are. That's who you are. We have to encourage one another. We've already got the victory. There's no reason there's no reason to stay in discouragement or doubt or even sin 
or anything else you can think of that doesn't agree with who God says we are. There's no reason to stay there. Next Sunday, I'm going to start talking about Gideon and Judges. Feel free to read ahead. Gideon. Have you, have you heard of Gideon before? I love Gideon because, for a lot of reasons. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that to you next week. But Gideon is, is, a, is just a guy. He's just a guy like the rest of us. He's a, he's a person like the rest of us. And he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He just needed to do things better. Right? But he was living in a world that was harsh and challenging. And next week we're going to talk about how God helped him through that. Because I, I think God can help us all in those times. Because he's faithful. I love you. And I'm going to encourage you to continue to seek the Lord and do what he's called us all here to do. And to God be the glory. If you're not saved, now's the time. I think I've mentioned how to be saved. In case I haven't uh, believed that Jesus is the Christ, repent of being an offender of God, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and then start joining us in this journey. That's it. If you haven't done that, come down here and do it. It's that simple. If you have, let's, let's, let's start living like we have a Savior who died for us. Let's start living like we're warriors for the kingdom of God. You ready? Let's stand. Let's stand together and sing.